Welcome to the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit, the number one place for inspiration to help you start, run, or grow a winning business. I'm Johnny Quirk, and each week we bring you some amazing guests from a wide variety of businesses, all talking about their journey, motivations, and top tips for entrepreneur success. We deliberately aim to bring you stories, interviews, and real people who are fully deep in the trenches, building their businesses, and sharing actionable insights that you can use for your own entrepreneurial business journey. So whatever you're building, we're excited to be part of that journey with you. If you like what we do, don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get on with the show. Hey guys, Johnny Quirk back once again here to support your entrepreneurial journey. Okay, cool. So today I'm delighted to say that we have New York-based Dion Matheson from the Kunata Surf Club. Dion, great to have you on the Go Solo Show. Yeah, nice to be here. And I appreciate you getting up at this early time. I know you're an early riser because obviously the business that you run, but uh, yeah, it's six o'clock at your time. I really appreciate you coming on at such early time on the podcast today. So in your own words, could you describe your actual business and what it is that it does? Uh, so I'm a surf coach, mentor person. I guide people from the either the beginning stages, like the very beginning. Those are the clean slate people where I just teach them from day one, uh, my method of, of surfing. And then I help people who are somewhere in the surfing journey uh, work out like bad habits or plateau phases that they're having and uh, just help people uh, get a nice smooth surfing style and help navigate the ocean and the surfing culture. Yeah. And just uh, basically I'm providing like an initiatory mentorship role that only exists in local surfing cultures for children, yeah. usually providing that for the adult beginner. Okay, brilliant. And I think, you know, like, uh, I want to emphasize this because obviously, you know, like, uh, being on through your website and channels, you know, you don't tell you don't say that you're a surf school, you know, that's basically something that you're quite clear about making, you know, like, what is it that you think separates you from everybody else? You know, what's that unique selling point? You know, I love the local element you've talked, but I know you have a, a deeper philosophy of everything connected to surf. Tell me more about your philosophy. Well, what distinguishes me from a surf school is that my whole entire method is different. Uh, even the equipment I use is different. So those tend to have a, a primary location at a beach, a number of instructors, a fleet of soft surfboards. Uh, they, their method is to start usually with group lessons where they do a lot of like this practicing to stand up in the sand you could see them it's like very they're very obvious yeah and then and then you usually graduate to private where my my I flip that I do teach surfing but the model looks a lot different and I don't have I'm the only instructor and coach I use hard surfboards that might change a little bit I mean I do there's a brand of soft surfboards I like now I just yeah. I just didn't want to call a lot of attention to myself on the, on the one hand. And then the other is that uh, bringing newer people into the surfing culture, I'd like to do it one by one and make sure people are individually trained uh, so that they're, they feel that they feel safe and that other people who are trying to enjoy their surfing practice don't have to worry about this, their own safety vis-a-vis -vis this person. And so I flipped the model and, uh, in the beginning stages, people are have to be private. Yeah. Then when you're good enough, you qualify to be in semi-private sessions in the water with me because then you're in control of your equipment and you can share waves and that actually works learning how to share the waves. So the, the I guess the my whole philosophy is really boiled down to my idea that like the better trained that people are in the water, the more fun they have in their surfing and then the more capable they are of sharing waves so that if surfing grows, which it's done naturally the past hundred years, um, and there will be more surfers, at least if I can provide uh, one outlet for people to surf better, I'm not going to make all of surfing better, but yeah. like at least certain lineups will flow more nicely and people will have more joy in their practice. And then when they travel to other places, they've gotten those codes and norms of the surfing culture that have been around actually for a long time since the ancient Hawaiians. Yeah. And they, they will be respected and they will give respect to 
to the places where they visit. So yeah. it's like just adding a tiny little uh, betterment, I think, to all of surfing culture without the aim of like ch radically changing the whole entire structure. And then yeah. in terms of the other surf schools, like uh, I always joke that like they're the crack dealer and I'm the heroin dealer. So they, <laughs> they do give people that initial like woo wee, like this is fun. Yeah. And so like sometimes when I watch them out there and they're big flotillas pushing people in the waves, which I don't do the pushing at all. So I teach people to paddle. I teach people to check the surf. It looks a lot slower, my method in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I'm watching them and I see the people go like we and they're in those big flotillas, like I said, I'm like, oh, they're just creating clients for me out there. It's the big, my big client creation. So in a way, the surf schools feed me. Yeah. You know. I guess people who want to go a bit deeper, you know, like can actually understand yeah. the whole context behind surfing, the deeper relationship with the ocean. Yeah. The, like you said, you know, you're, you're teaching people really about the fundamentals as well. Yeah. The other thing is, is that what I do for the adult beginner, which I can easily do for children as well, except for that the children market is taken up by like ex-pro surfers, ex-world champions, like, uh, well, not even world champions. There's that guy, uh, Glenn Micro Hall, who has Micro Surf Academy in Australia. Yep. He's a half Irish, half Australian guy. And he coaches like all the top pros in the contest. So yeah. I'm basically using a very similar model to the top pro coaches, but they don't bother with adult beginners, right? Because they have like, they get that satisfaction of the person they coach. Like he coaches Tyler, right? She goes, wins a world title, yeah. you know? So uh, they're, it's really just that a very similar method to what they're doing. Yeah. Breaking down technique, doing video review, um, and being what the pro surfers have or any pro athlete has is they're honestly critical about their practice. They're not satisfied. Right. And, and you look at one looks at them and it's like, well, I'll never do that. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh, that was shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they're, like, they're like, that may look awesome to you, but like I could do better. That yeah. wasn't, you know, so they they have that real, like, beneficial, critical reflexivity. Yeah, and what do you think differentiates you there, Dion, in terms of, I mean, I think it's clear the differentiation of you between them. How do you communicate that to potential new clients who want to come on? Like, is that because they're deeper thinkers in terms of the philosophy? Because, you know, your website is very detailed in terms of exactly yeah. what separates you apart. But how do you kind of get cut through? Like, do you sometimes end up with clients coming and go, this isn't exactly what I'm after? Or or literally, as it literally you have great chats with them early on talking about that there's, a, there's something going on deeper here. You're trying to build a relationship with your with your clients, I guess. I mean, I have a high retention rate. I can't say that it's necessarily for everybody. Um, a lot of people, I'm an extremely critical person. Um, so it, it definitely, some people think they want that rigorous approach because they want to get better at surfing and they see the relationship between a rigorous approach and getting better at anything. Yeah. And they, they feel uh, disillusioned by like people telling them they did a good job when they didn't necessarily do a good job. But then sometimes it's, it's rare, but this seems to be the case. It happens with me where like they didn't realize how rigorous it was going to be. So they wanted more sunshine blown up their bum than, than <laughs> they thought, you know, because yeah. they, they, and I've, I've worked it through with some, some of my longest standing clients and we've had to just work it through. They're like, well, I don't think that you believe in me. And I'm like, I believe in you, which is why I'm being critical. You know, yeah. it's that, like tough love kind of thing where I will compliment you when you've done something well, so that, you know, like, uh, so, so that, you know, when you've done something well and you can associate that memory and those feelings and those, the, uh, the vision of the wave and the correlation with how it felt in your body with the good thing so that you can keep going after that good thing. So, you know, um, obviously what sets me apart too is just, I have a, a whole philosophical vocabulary to describe what I'm doing. And um, that is because I've gone and, and gotten the degree in the master's degree and finishing my uh, PhD in philosophy. So like, I can see this in a, Spinoza is the philosopher who, who has that word canatus, although there are other um, yeah. 
there are other enlightenment philosophers that use that word like Thomas Hobbes. Um, but his whole point is to see more clearly. So we get all these sense impressions and as they come in, they're just muddled and confused. Like a lot of people think that just what we see is the truth, yeah. but there are all kinds of reasons, even just how our eyes are constructed yeah. that we don't get the full truth until we analyze it and apply uh, principles and get outside points of view on it. Of course. No, I think that's amazing. And I think, you know, I think what I also want to put out there is that what you're saying about how you're kind of harsh, but fair, maybe in a good way, people know where you stand, like in terms of you being a tutor, teacher, coach, whatever you want to call it. Like you said, it's like, you know, it probably as well being honest with people when they're getting into it, you can probably say, look, maybe this isn't for you, you know, to use your analogy before, maybe they want a speedball, like a hybrid between kind of like both what's actually being offered. Yeah. So yeah. I think in terms of that, you know, I guess, you know, like you said, if you have a high retention rate, you're clearly doing something right because actually once people have learned your style and you're being very upfront they probably know like you said there's no shit really you know you're going to say it straight do you want to get better at surfing do you want this kind of whole philosophy are you into the lifestyle brilliant works for me now we talk about lifestyle on this show a lot because basically like you know everybody who's we invite on are a solo entrepreneur solopreneur small business owner and they're doing it pretty much because they love what they do you know it becomes a lifestyle where business is mixed in with it so what actually gave you the passion, Dion, like in terms of surfing? I know you've been doing this for many years now. Like, you know, what, what initially gave you the passion to get into surfing, but also create a business out of surfing too? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I was just born into surfing. My dad surfs. And uh, so I started at just a, a, and one of those, I'm one of those people that basically has always been surfing. Uh, and I have, there's like a whole long story with, you know, learning to swim and living on a sailboat and things like that. But um, I was also just, I, I was also very precocious in, in terms of like liking to read and being philosophically oriented at a very young age. And uh, my parents were, you know, adamant about not missing school. And I, you know, I just, I like to write and study since I was young too. And I was pretty good at surfing and enamored of professional surfing and stuff like that. But uh, the family, my family was pretty clear that they were going to, they'd take me to some small amateur contests and stuff, but it, education was what they would back me on. Yeah. Okay. So then I, as like a, you know, I still wanted to like try it, see different ways I could make surfing into a career, but um and I had taught in some of those surf schools and, and found it miserable because pushing people in waves is not like, I wanted to surf. I wanted yeah, to figure yeah. out how to get paid to surf. And, and it's not easy to be, you know, you have to be so good. You have to be in the right place at the right time with sponsors and that. And I never was uh, either. I'm a great surfer, but I'm, you know, there's, there's some deficiencies uh, in terms of like that next extra level of like being on the WCT or even being one of those like air video people. Yeah. Uh, so I took the educational path because some of my favorite surfers at my local beaches uh, were university professors. And then when I was in university, I was like, wait, I'm stacking my classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. My professors are only teaching on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. They have office hours once a week. I was like, this seems like a great career for surfing. So the first idea was academia. And I had gotten some really good feedback that I would be good in academia. So I had people pressing me to, towards an academic career, but I would take time off and wait tables as well because being a waiter is so it's always figuring out ways to make money that gave me a lot of time to surf. Yeah. Before I figured out the then when I was in San Francisco working at a surf shop and going to undergrad, I was like, why don't I try, like I tried out like the pilot example of like this personal lessons thing. And it was just word of mouth. I would tell people and it kind of caught off enough, caught, caught on enough that I quit the surf shop job. And then I went to graduate school here in New York, brought boards with me. And I was like, yeah, why don't I just try it out here? Because like, I'm going to need money when I'm in graduate school. And uh, I would write out little like three by five cards mm. that said surf lessons and my phone number. And at that time, Pilgrim Surf Supply and Saturday Surf NYC were just starting up here. So I did 
end up having the good fortune of right place, right time when yep. a new surf boom was hitting New York. And I'm friends with the guys that own Saturdays and, and Chris who owns Pilgrim. And uh, they like my approach, you know, and they mm -hmm. wanted to, they didn't want to associate, associate with a surf school and uh, they surf. So, you know, they had incentive to back somebody training beginners in the correct way. And so, you know, honestly, Saturdays um, recommended that New York Magazine mentioned me in like surf education in 2011 and here in New York and in a lot of places, like if you get a mention in New York Times, New York Magazine, it kind of like- Sets you for life it, sort of thing. <laughs> kind of, it does because then you end up in those search mechanisms for a long time. And uh, so that was kind of the trajectory with, with that where I, uh, and then the funniest thing is, uh, I actually wanted to continue to better my own surfing. And I, I saw that I needed gear, basically. I'm a graduate student, I have no money, and I needed more surfboards and more wetsuits for myself to get better at my own surfing. And so I was like, this needs to be a real business tax-wise so I can write off all my surf equipment, all my wax. So like there was a real practical purpose for me to get better at my own surfing and like I just saw that I didn't have the money to yeah. afford the equipment that I needed to get myself better at surfing without being able to write it off you know I couldn't write it off as like a philosophy but like a potential philosophy professor and then yeah. coupled with the scene in academia is bleak right now <laughs> it's very very <laughs> bleak and uh, so I started picking away at this, like at this business while I was in graduate school and it just, you know, got more and more popular. And then at the same time in graduate school, my philosophy training, I was getting more language for what I was doing. I was like, oh, this way that I'm teaching now I have more language for, and I actually got better at teaching because I'll, it doesn't happen in all cases, but I think in the best cases of philosophy, PhD should make a person a very good teacher. A like, chance to express yourself in a more fluid way, being able to understand other points of view. Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, really what a philosopher does is deals with concepts. Yeah. And so, uh, and abstract concepts. And like it or not, um, when you look at the way that things hang together in the world, there's a lot of abstract concept, conceptual stuff going on. Yeah. And it's the ability to look at an abstract concept break it down to its parts and explain it to people so it no longer is abstract anymore. Yeah. Uh, or to like be okay with it being abstract and seeing all how the parts, because surfing in a way is an abstract concept. It, it's, there's so many constituent parts. There's so much stuff going on that most people, this is like a bone I have to pick with surf media and-, and but, but <laughs> This is your chance, Dion, to air your views, you know, feel free, you've got a safe yeah. place here. What sets me apart is that it's very common when something is abstract and difficult to articulate that people say it's mystical or religious or spiritual. Those are just words that people use when they can't actually talk about the thing. Yeah. And so I'm a little more analytic and scientifically minded where I'm like, we can talk about this. It's just going to take a lot of work. Like you're going to have to do the you're going to have to do the reflection and looking at the way that other people in other fields have articulated because I think what that does is it actually obscures it so that it becomes less teachable. You're like, well, I don't know. Go with yeah. the flow. Like what you're going to tell somebody that can't like has no technique to like go with the flow and the flow is like smashing them. Like, yeah, be calm when you're getting smashed. Yeah, that is totally good. <laughs> go limp calm your breathing down, sure. But like, you have, there are ways that you can talk about how you get into the flow, that there are actionable steps mm -hmm. that a person can take so that they actually have some, you don't get complete certainty. We don't get that. That's yeah. like the humans, sorry, we don't, there's, there are, there's objective truth, there's facts, but then even those, the scientific method is that those can be overturned. Mm -hmm. And you need to move and change when they when they change and and you drop that what makes a science not a religion is that yeah. religious people don't like 
come across some new finding and are like, oh yeah, that's really good. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, yeah. yeah, there is a, there is no dynamism. It's literally just like one set of uh, truths, if you will do. And, and there's no kind of like gray areas there. So hundred yeah. percent there, man. And uh, I think I remember who was the big wave surfer, Eddie, was it from Hawaii? I think. Yeah, I remember reading a book uh, about him years ago. And I think there was that deep connection in terms of in Hawaii, because you mentioned Hawaii before, you know, it's it's seen almost as a religious experience, Hawaii, that kind of whole connection to nature and everything. I think I'm going on the right lines here. Uh, well, so, yeah, so this is when people are in awe, they go towards that description of what's going on. And I don't I think that surfing is awesome and there's all this adrenaline and fun and everything. But in my view of nature, the ocean isn't more natural for me. It's the wilderness maybe, or there's some variables that are out of our control out there that make it feel more awesome than yeah. in your house or in a city. But um, my view of, I, I, I don't make a distinction between artificial and natural in, in that way that like somehow the ocean, I mean, there are plastic black bags floating in the ocean. Yeah. We're surfing on surfboards that come from the military industrial complex, the, the, the material. So I'm not a purist. Yeah. Um, I still think surfing is awesome, but I don't think that you need this, like, it's, I worship it, man. And like that whole <laughs> thing is just not like, it's not attractive to me. And I, and it's just because again, it's from a lack of language. Like mm. if these people had more education or more, like they're brilliant at surfing. They're yeah. not brilliant at describing what surfing is or describing what anything is really because they're not trained to do that. That's not their expertise. Like, yeah. I mean, this is a little harsh, but usually when it comes to great surfers, I'm like, don't, don't open your mouth. Just go surfing. <laughs> We're going to video you. And yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. say anything. And there's this, um, I don't know if other sports have this in the same way. Although I find other sporting figures to be a little bit more articulate than most surfers, but we idolize and lionize the heroes of our sport in such a way that like their great surfing abilities makes them also like super intelligent, but really their intelligence is in their surfing and they're extremely intelligent yeah, in that, yeah. and the way they display what I call like the, their interpretations of what waves are doing with their body. And some of them like Kelly Slater, who is just, I mean, I love Kelly Slater because yeah. he is not only 11 time world champion, but he's one of the most articulate surfers that's ever existed. And he can break down exactly like, he, he has a relationship to time and to language where he can really actually get in and tell you like, okay, well, this one was shifting this way. Yeah. And especially when he like breaks down his heats after he's done a competitive heat, yeah. he knows every error of judgment that he and his competitor made. So actually what you're saying there is he has the ability to adapt uh, through experience, but also through what he's experiencing in the time right then. And that's what makes him so good is that actually he can adapt to changes. All, all the variables, like you said, water, wind, the way the surface uh, breaking, you know, that's what actually makes him the best. No. One of the best. No, all the best can do that. Right. He's just really interesting because he can articulate it. Right. Okay. So he's one of the few of the best. So all that's what they're brilliant at. Yeah. Like that's what the best surfers in the world are all brilliant at the sense of timing, the relationship that they have, you know, like, again, I'm demystifying it. Like it's not sexy, but like their pattern recognition skills with the ocean are off the charts. Yeah. They're off the charts, but like, to say it's religious and not pattern recognition is ridiculous. <laughs> pattern recognition, like they 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 have a for their relationship to time, they is that they have also some of these people are born into surfing dynasties. Like yeah, they have what Heidegger calls foreknowledge in their DNA to be able to anticipate when waves are going to come. Yeah, you know, in terms of being in the water, like. None of us are, none of us really have that in terms of predicting swells. We just read weather charts, yeah. you know, and some people are, you know, on that like scientific level, the big wave surfers are just 
you know, brilliant at reading weather charts. So, so they can yeah. understand the formula. They can understand all the different dynamics. So actually when they go out yeah. on the waves, it's just a yeah. case of following through with what they have yeah. in their brain. Yeah. They are like, they're the big wave surfers are like part meteorologist and travel agent because they do their meteorology. And then like, I mean, I think some of them make enough money that they can get like they can buy whatever <laughs> private research. Yeah, yeah. But I think like maybe the like lower level big wave surfers are like can find the cheapest flights to, to the place that's going to have the big waves. Yeah. Uh, like and rent the like you know even me like I do that in my business too. Of, like we become little travel agents for ourselves. You know, like how to of get course. the rental car and uh, <laughs> the Airbnb and. Well, this is this is really interesting what you're saying, because I think I've got, you know, and, and for anybody out there who's thinking about starting a business or is running a business, I think what you've said about being able to blend two passions together and create a sustainable winning business that's a lifestyle business as well is, right. you know, you, you're winning, basically, if you don't mind me saying it seems like you've got the lifestyle you want. It's ticking a lot of boxes. You're happy. You're in a place. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper in terms of what your yeah. long term goals are for the business. But it sounds like you know you you're at a good place, which is which is great. So I want to kind of maybe switch this into a gear where I want to kind of you know get some of your tips in terms of you know like you know stuff that will be relevant to other entrepreneurs, no matter what industry you know which they're in. And I want to put myself in the footsteps of myself as being a fairly crummy surfer. I I, I went uh, probably about eighteen months ago to a, a man-made lagoon here in the UK. <laughs> Pretty impressive day, but you know, I was I was off the board yeah. more than I was on the board. You know, I'm hoping to go in Scotland in a few weeks' time. You know, I've already kind of like made inquiries about booking a day or two there, which is great. But you know, like I, I I'm not I'm not a great surfer. So if I was to come to you and I was to say, right, Dion, like you know, I want to get better at surfing, or I want to do this, what would be your method in terms of? the early stages of getting me enthused and look you've already told me you'd be brutally honest uh and the second part of that really is like how do you go about coaching and making people you know like a better surf do they come to you with a a fixed thing like say in one year's time i want to be here or like like, tell me like how personally i could get better if i was a customer who was just interested in, in paying for your services yeah well the first thing is to have a relationship to the ocean so uh, pattern recognition, understanding waves. So understanding this uh, surf forecasting that I was talking about, that's the first thing I teach people uh, is how to forecast the surf and what waves are scientifically, physically, what they are, where they come from. If you don't know that, like you have no business out there. Um, and so that's the start. You have to understand the ocean. And so, um, even if your practice starts to look like just going and sitting at a beach and watching waves, I believe that's going to make you a better surfer faster than being in the ocean. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Because your perspective gets twisted around when you get, so people focus too much on standing on the surfboard. That's not surfing. So this is again, what sets my, that is what surfing seems to be. Mm. It's seen when you watch it, it is the height of the practice. It's what everybody wants to do. It's showing you the cake and yeah. not the ingredients or the baking of the cake. Okay. So uh, some people, so usually like when people, they, they send me the email, I've stood, da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, so these are the people that have already gone to some surf schools and stuff. I end up having to just completely reconstruct their whole entire practice starting with the ocean knowledge so you want to be able to predict waves to understand their directionality left right close out mm-hmm. you want to be able to uh understand the constituent parts of the grammar of surfing and i have taken a lot of pains to break those constituent parts down and explain them in a way that makes sense to people so and you do this through email or on a course or well, video or I'm in on a book right now Yep. So uh, I will have a book soon that people can read. Uh, but so th- I do this through an intake consultation. So people buy packages from me, surf session packages. And then I have the first session is an intake, two hour yep. intake. And we go through what surf culture is uh, because I believe that people should understand you're coming into a culture 
uh, and we have norms and we have rules and mm -hmm. and it, it's more than just etiquette in the water. It's like you're coming into a culture that was established by ancient Hawaiians. Yeah. And uh, and it's really important for me that everybody understands. I, that, I think that makes you a better surfer. So right, like my understanding of what a better surfer is yeah. is not just this physical technique on a wave. It's like I think a person is a better fit for our culture if they care about ancient Hawaiians and what the the norms that they've set for us. You know, because yeah. they're really good. Like the principle of aloha is what surfing. You know, what the social part of surfing should be founded upon. Mm. And like, it's not entitlement, it's respect. It's yeah. giving, it's respect for what comes before and respect for the ocean, all that, that makes you a better surfer right away. So it's like yeah. a larger package of what you, what you, what you mean by a better surfer. If you, don't, if you don't mind me saying, it seems almost like you take like a martial arts uh, approach almost, if probably the, the closest way of describing yeah. it maybe in terms of surfing is much more than the actual physical act is, is what you're saying here as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we are, again, we're concept cultural yeah. creatures. And so uh, there's this philosopher I really like Daniel Dennett. And so uh, he has this idea. He he's really into like uh, evolutionary biology, stuff like that. And he has this language of design fixing and yeah. intentionality and basically when we're fixing our designs of our brain, right? So like say you're fixing your brain, which is yeah. plastic to learn to surf, you need good tricks, right? So a good coach is supposed to give you good tricks, right? So I think like pattern recognition of waves yeah. is the first really good trick. Then learning to paddle is the next, you know, so that's the next thing that I focus on. Once you understand the surf zone yeah. and how to get in, access it, uh, well, you're going to need good form, right. To access it. So you're going to need to also understand something about like the proper, the kind of board that you should be on and why, mm -hmm. and you need stability. Basically you need a lot of stability in the beginning because like, it's not, there's nothing. There are only two things that cross over to surfing physically mm -hmm. yoga and swimming. It's the only it's it not skateboarding, not snowboarding. I always say, being good at surfing makes you ipso facto good at skateboarding and snowboarding. Doesn't cut the other way. Doesn't cut the other way. <laughs> yeah. You got, you got to catch the wave, which means you start in this prone paddling position. Mm. Uh, and honestly, swimmers, like they're the ones that take to it the fastest. Yeah, yeah. In my experience. Because that's the pretty much like the primary, like you said, it's standing up as a bonus almost as the end result. The actual swimming is so important because I guess it's such a toll on your arms and the power and being out in waves and the like. Strange thing. I mean, I could get, you know, there's there's a time limit, but uh, it's it's crazy how much your lower body is actually working in surfing to stabilize the board so the arms actually don't work as hard. So it's not the same as a freestyle swimming stroke. Yeah. But still, they do have they do have the form of the moving like it's like a normal body map thing for them, for their yeah, arms yeah. to swing around in the water. <laughs> well, let me ask you here, Dion, because actually, you know, I, I like what you've been saying throughout the entire show, because it seems that, you know, I always use this word, I think, for some people who run service-based businesses is that, you know, you're taking clients on a journey. You know, we'll just use the word client, you know, yeah. but, you know, you're taking people. So I think the retention, which you were talking about before is so important because, like if you say you've got really strong retention, it means you're doing something really well. Would you say then, mixed with the philosophy that you're building a, a community here, that you're building a, a movement? Like, like how does it look like once people have left a session with you? Like, you know, are you building a community movement or is that the goal? Uh, yeah. So like my, I say I teach holistic and sustainable surf practices. Mm. And a surf practice is not holistic or sustainable without surf buddies. Yeah. So uh, yeah, people become lifelong threat friends through the trips that we go on. And I, I link people, you know, group text emails. I pair people ability level, uh, you know, once they've gone through the initial training. And so, I mean, it's definitely a community. Honestly, I've also made it a community for myself because I have been so 
dissatisfied with the intellectual level of the average surfer. I always yeah. joke with my clients, like, you know, they wish they would have started <laughs> earlier and like they're adult beginners and they're never going to be like as good as Carissa Moore or even as good as I am. Yeah. And I'm like, you have your brain. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. it doesn't seem like a lot and you wish that like you would learn this as a child. And yes, you would be better if you learned as a child. But like, you know, what everybody in who takes sessions from me values, our number one value is education. Mm. And it's the thing that connects all of us. So like all of us, you know, not everybody necessarily has an advanced degree, but like they, they know that when they want to learn something hard, they're going yeah. to read books. They're going to like, they're, cur they're really curious about the world. And it's this thing that everybody I've taught, or the, you know, I have a lot of people who do acupuncture like who care about healing and therapies and medicines and things. And, and everybody cares about diet. And we're just all like, it's real spirit of Kanadis in the, in the uh, Spinozistic, Spinoza, the philosopher uh, yeah. set of like, everybody is trying to flourish. We're yeah. all trying to like, just optimize and, and seek. So homeostasis for human beings actually for all of everything in nature is, but especially us, like we're not happy with just let the base level, right? So homeostasis yeah. for us is well-being as yeah. that's what this neurobiologist Antonio Damasio says that like, we're just always trying to get that one. And if, if we're not, you know, we sense something is, is wrong. Yeah. Like some of us look for solutions. Some of us find really bad solutions <laughs> yeah. for what to do with our pain. Um, and so, yeah, so definitely anyway, it's a community of people that like really want to like flourish and really value education and it wouldn't be sustained because I can't coach everybody in there's, you know, also yeah, it's not potentially yeah. sustainable for me to be your number one surf buddy. Of course. Uh, but so I they, this is, I like people and they go surfing together, you know, well, that's the cool thing. I mean, look, I think for anybody listening out there or watching this on YouTube, I think, that organic approach, you probably didn't sit down 20 years ago and say, I want to build a community of people and these people seem like they're on the wavelength of me. I mean, maybe you did. I mean, that's obviously the, everybody's yeah. goal, but yeah, it's a yeah. lovely benefit. And like you said, it does so many things for you in terms of probably does help retention, word of mouth. Um, it gives you passion. It gives you ideas about how you can evolve your business as well over time. Yeah. I think, you know, that's always a nice thing to have. And somebody who's deeply connected with their business with a passion I think, you know, this seems to have happened a lot in terms of the people we've had on this show, like nutritionists, personal trainers, chefs, community is such a big thing because, you know, it's bringing together like-minded people that they're beyond customers. So, yeah. And this kind of leads me on to, so you're going to I mean, say? I was going to say like, yeah, like I grew up in a way that like, you know, people like me who are critical and, and philosophical, like we get a little bit alienated and ostracized when we want to talk about you know, people like, Oh, and like, I'm like the worst guy at the party. People are like, Oh no, it's Dion. Like he's going to want to talk about the meaning. of <laughs> Yeah. It's like quick. It's like a, uh, uh, Dion's coming over. It's just like, he's going to tell us about this sort of thing. But, uh, but look, we all were looking for our tribe, aren't we out there? Do you know what yeah. I mean? So, and I think, you know, I think everybody has a tribe and, and again, you know, you found it in this in terms of blending work and life. Yeah. Final thing before we go on to our rapid fire round, Dion, is I'm interested to know about your approach to content because, you know, you've got a great reputation for writing very personal, but, you know, interesting uh, newsletters. You know, they're not yeah. short form. They don't, they're not like uh, spammy or anything. Like, you know, it's a proper story you're telling. Yeah. What's been your approach to content? I mean, is that something which has evolved over time? You know, like, do, what, do you see that as something which you use as... You know, I hate to use like lead generation or literally is it just a case of you to just connect to people and, and keep yourself in their mind or is it cathartic to get those words out? You know, tell, tell me your approach to content. Um, first of all, self-knowledge. Um, so create the content that you want to consume. Mm. Uh, so I like, I have my own spam filter, like, if anything is too polished, too many hashtags, too short, too obviously <laughs> constructed for quick consumption, yeah. I hit that trash box faster than, you know, you can shake your finger at something. Like yeah. I just can't like, 
if it's not, I mean, I actually consume so little content myself. I prefer creating. And if I'm going to honestly, like, and I'm writing a book right now. So the newsletters have gone down just because like, I see it in my benefit to like finish this book Hmm. as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, And so I, I do put the kind, same kind of energy into crafting those that I do. I'm a lifelong journalist, journaling, not journalist, but journaling writer. I'm a compulsive writer. Yeah. I do like sharing. Uh, the coronavirus made me get better at the newsletter. Mm. But I, it's really putting out, I really believe like philosophically, you know, Nothi Sautan, like, know thy, like, if you would like to read it, then that's what you should put out. Don't put out something that you wouldn't consume yourself. I have super high standards. I'm super picky. Yeah. Uh, and I have a lifelong writing practice. So I just write the way that I, I, I just, it's a thing that uh, yeah. I'm good at. Um, but I'm not good at like, let's say I don't have any books published yet. You know what yeah. I mean? I have my own problems with my writing that I deal with my, with yeah. my therapist with. But I guess what you're saying, though, as well is like, you know, uh, you, you know, you attract like for like, if you're putting something out, then it's going to bring certain people in, you know, like it's uh, yeah. if you're just a, you know, uh, a McDonald's version of what you're doing, you're probably going to get that kind of audience or people who are interested. But if you're doing the premium kind of whatever, and it's kind of like tailor made and artisanal, then actually you're going to hopefully draw those people in they're maybe going to be the right people who understand your philosophy. It's actually going to make sure you don't get any time wasters coming through who are interested in your surf club. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, exactly. Exactly. it's unique as well. It's, it's, it's shareable. You know, I've been forwarded your you know newsletter a couple of times and like, you know, check out this, read like this. And it, it's kind of very interesting, you know, in terms of looking at things from a, from a different perspective. Plus the yeah. photos are always great. I think I saw one of you recently where you're out surfing or like in the snow or something. And I was like, rather him than me sort of thing. Well, the other thing is, uh, I think, and this is not going to work for everybody, but like, I don't, I I do like maybe once a month, like I was doing twice when it was like, I wasn't surfing that much or writing this book, but I think you have to have people wanting the content too. So like, Mm -hmm. if I think if you, I, again, this is a know thyself when I get inundated, I just erase, even if it could be good or be helpful to me. Yeah. I'm going to erase because I, or delete because it's just too much. Like I just don't have the time to consume it. Um, and yeah, I mean, except that's like, I mean, I think that's the beauty of podcasts. I do listen to a ton of podcasts and they're not pushed on me. I get yeah. the choice to pick yeah. the podcast I want to listen to. I agree. Like even, you know, I think email blogs, whatever, it's, it's still a great resource to get the message through to people. But I think we obviously get spammed with so much stuff every day. You know, I'm constantly hitting unsubscribe to things I'm not aware to try and uh, formulate a purity, a, you know, a real quality coming through into my inbox. It doesn't always work. These companies have a way of somehow getting you on their lists. But, you know, I'm constantly every day, literally just like two minutes to try to unsubscribe, whatever. You know, why am I still on this? So, yeah, I think, you know, when you actually do offer something unique in the world, marketplace, whatever, I think it's kind of like, you know, people will look out for that and it will seem like a special treat when it arrives in their inbox. Yeah. Right. We are going to move on to a rapid fire round now, Dion. So uh, yeah, you can make it as, you know, add a little bit of flavor if you, if you fancy that. You know, I could say it doesn't have to be so quick. You know, feel free to give a yeah. little reason why. So if I was to say to you who are some uh, entrepreneurs that you maybe look up to and I know you don't seem like the you know like place where you don't have to say Elon Musk or whatever do you know what I mean this isn't this where we interview real people here on the Go Solo show so it's you know completely up to you to say who you think but are the people in business or favorite entrepreneurs that you look up to in life you know who who like who's kind of like a uh, a favorite of yours yeah so I only really have one um my grandfather James Madison um he was a surgeon and he was uh, pioneered underwater uh, housings for cameras. He did a project with Jacques Cousteau, saving the sea otter in a movie with Jacques Cousteau. He bought property and was a land, like he did so many things. And so he was like my real scholar athlete example growing up and uh, just really close to him. And 
Um, also, my great-grandfather, uh, Edward Satterthwaite, a little bit different. He was a professor at the Naval Academy. He taught Spanish and French, but he it's the same scholar-athlete thing. He swam four miles a day, uh, really regimented guy with his time from his military background, but they both gave me that, like, and I think it was like an unconscious example that you didn't have to be just a scholar or just a, and have an athletic artistic pursuit. You could do you could do all of it. Um, and I got really good actually advice one time from my uncle Luis, who uh, I was like, I don't know what to do. I want to be a pro surfer. I want to be an academic. And he was like, why do you have to pick? Yeah. He said, do it all. Yeah. And so those, I guess, you know, Luis has since gone off the rails with his conspiracy theory emails. <laughs> <laughs> I get spam from Luis all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so yeah, it would be my, 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 my dad's dad, my mom's grandfather. And then uh, Luis is actually my mom's dad's cousin. <laughs> okay. So there is a entrepreneurial stroke philosophy, uh, philosophical kind of approach coming down here. Like I can, I can trace this back in you Dion, like in terms of generations, that's great. And would you say as well, they're your most inspiring people in life, you know, that have constantly done that or is there somebody now who inspires you, uh, you know, to do what you do? Uh, no, yeah, no, I'm just going to stick with my, stick with that. that's great. And you know what? They're not on our entrepreneurs list yet, which is great, you know, because uh, people say all sorts of things. So this is what we want. Real answers. Um, you know, I've got a feeling there might be some philosophy in here. But if you were to recommend some favorite books to people that you think would be, you know, maybe helps them in their life, whether that's in business life, you know, uh, you know, just seeing things in a, in a great way. Like, like what books maybe would you recommend to people? Oh man, I read so many books. Um, it's it's so hard for me to recommend books because I'm just really aware of that the books that I like are require like a graduate degree in a way <laughs> uh, because I've read them all. Like I don't know if you're recording this for YouTube. I mean, this is my copy of Spinoza's Ethics. It's wow. like. I've read it so many times. We're doing a book club on it right now, but I do recommend Spinoza's Ethics. Yeah, that's going it. on the list. That's going on our uh, entrepreneurs the, list. The ethics demonstrated in geometrical order. Um, and, you know, I'm people, he's controversial, but, um, you know, no. working on a chapter on Heidegger's being in time right now. And yeah. I, I really like that. And then I, I'll give one for surfers. Yeah, please and, do. The number one book for surfers is this book, uh, Waves and Beaches by Willard Bascom. It's like the oceanography shoreline textbook is written in like 1964. And it has pretty much like all the pertinent scientific information that you need for how waves break and swells are generated and stuff like that. So okay. uh, yeah, I would say wait, this one, Waves and Beaches. It's this on my desk for a reason. <laughs> this is going to have to go on here, man. I think uh, yeah, I might be interested in reading that myself. Uh, I, have, I have some kind of dream of hitting a beach and sun at some point in the near future. There might even be some surf there, hopefully. Um, in terms of running your business, like, you know, what is it that you think you could be doing more and more to help your business grow? I mean, like, you know, say you're only allowed to do one thing. What would you be doing more of? Would that be generating, you know, word of mouth in a certain way would you like to just purely teach and coach if everybody could handle the admin what 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 would what would kind of what would you choose to do um yeah i would finish my book um so that would that i really see this as like a next step because it's going to change the model of my business because i will have people have to read the book yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like that's the, that's almost like the, uh, the Bible of your philosophy. Yeah. Of so, it's like, you know. Yeah. So I need to finish the book. Um, and then I, I would like to transition more towards um, training other people to coach the way I honestly, um, I am experiencing a little burnout of in the water coaching. Yeah. Uh, it's the backbone of my business. I'm still going to do it because I, I need to do it. 
but I, I want to move towards um, the, the more theoretical aspects of what I do. And, you know, I think Subkit can help me with that. Like I want to yeah, reach definitely. a local audience and I do want to create more video mm. content. Um, I do think it's just completely untapped for me. I think uh, I have a good personality for like the philosurfing series. Like I would love to just do more of that. And I'm aware that I'm capable of more compulsive content creation and that I could grow a larger following that way. But writing the book, I don't have the time. Uh, I don't know if anybody listening has ever tried to write a book, but it cons- it's just all consuming. There's And if it's not, you're not going to finish. Yeah, but that's, so, that is a really good North Star to head towards, though, in terms of that hopefully unlocks the future of your company as well and, and everything you want to do. And don't worry, Dion, Subkit definitely can help you in terms of a, uh, you know, fulfilling that part of your dream. Yeah. Um, you know, look, you spent time in the waves. I know you're going to get out surfing as much as possible. I know COVID has stopped some of your plans in its steps. You know, we were talking about this earlier on. What other things do you maybe do for quality work-life balance you know like how do you handle the stresses and strains of running a business you know and is that hitting the waves or do you have other things in life to, to to handle running a business um you know running my business is not that stressful for me uh the number so two three things one hire a business coach mm-hmm. two this is personal that that's not personal that's just do it yeah. Uh, number three or number two is I do yoga, uh, six days a week yeah. and, uh, ha- hire a yoga coach. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have a yoga coach and, uh, he doesn't do it with me six days a week. He's given me my yoga that I do so that I know what I do and I'm not confused. And he like tunes me up every so often checks in on me and make sure, uh, I'm going in the right direction. And um, honestly, I really focus on the shutoff valve time. You know, I eat dinner at 6.30 p.m. Mm. and I cook a lot. I love cooking. And that time with my girlfriend and my dog and just, you know, maybe reading a book not for my, that's hard for me to read something Mm. that's not for my, it's hard for me to not read philosophy, but, you know, maybe reading fiction or watching, you know, turning off. You have yeah, to turn yeah. off. You, if you don't turn off, it's why you sleep. And yeah. I, I really, uh, uh, I love sleep. I love, like, I go to bed at like nine or 10. And again, yeah. I wake up at five, but like, you have to turn. I, I don't, I don't like this culture of like working all the time. To- like, that seems miserable. So like, my business isn't miserable for me because I don't make it miserable for me. Yeah. And it miserable. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, then why? <laughs> then why well yeah i mean look i think you've just answered the next question which is you know what does success mean for you as an entrepreneur but it seems actually like it's building a sustainable business that fits in with with your work and your life and everything that would you say that's what success means to you as an entrepreneur look i think flourishing for a human being is being in as as few radically stressful situations as possible throughout your life and creating the conditions where stress does not destroy you and I, that doesn't mean I don't have stress and don't go through stressful things or get angry, but, uh, and, you know, I have college debt and stuff like that, that I'm going to have to hope that I will, you know, become, I- I'm sure I will become successful in such a way that I could pay that off one day. But, uh, yeah, if, if you are creating more stress for yourself, yeah. that's going in the wrong direction. Things should become ever and you need support that's why i say like you know get a business coach yeah uh, get get a yoga coach get like get help you know? and you know what i will have to say to you dion as well you know i don't want to put too many plugs for subkit here but you know i am doing yoga on subkit this afternoon uh i have we have a cookery class book next week we have breath works booked next week i think there is a wine club come so you know, I think if, if people are looking just for an hour here or there, you know, people can start to do these things, you know, they can, they can do it even from the comfort of their own home. So yeah. Uh, yeah, look, this is, this is good. This is making me see what's important as well. I think, you know, I'm trying to have be better in terms of having my off switch at night as well and saying, you know, how do I do it? So I can feel hundred percent the next day from not having to stretch things obviously too far. Um, 
for those people thinking of taking the plunge and starting their own business, is there maybe a quick bit of advice you would give to them? You know, like if they're in a salary job and they don't really like it, or, you know, they've been thinking for a long time, you know, they're worried about making the plunge. What advice would you give to someone thinking about going solo? Oh, man. It's, it's the same, it's the same philosopher advice that I had previously. It's, not that actionable, but, you know, know yourself, like know how much uh, risk, you know, I guess it's like advice that an investor would give because you're, you're talking about a time and a future investment. So you really have to be honest with yourself with how much risk you can reasonably afford. And I mean, financial, like uh, stress, like physical, uh, all of that whole package, holistic risk, a risk assessment. I mean, it's yeah. just, if, do you feel like, uh, and, and also like, yeah. And belief in yourself and your product. Right. So like, that's going to check, that's going to change your risk assessment. If your belief in your product is so high, your confidence is so high, mm-hmm. then you have a low risk for failure. Yeah. Uh, but if you're in that shaky, like, I think it can like, but you're not sure on the vision or the product and you don't have like a ton of financial backing or security, that seems pretty high risk to me. So, yeah. So maybe do your work beforehand to think about the business plan, to think about actually your skills, think about refining the product and the direction of the company where you want to take it before jumping both feet in and not having it figured out. Here's the thing though, is that like, if you have a higher risk tolerance, your chance for success is also going to be higher. So like I never wrote, I still haven't written a business plan. Like, so I just went and did the thing and then all of a sudden I was doing it and kind of figured stuff out. Mm. But like I, there were just conditions, like it's just so hard for me to say that like the conditions that I was in are going to be the right conditions for somebody else. I just plunged right in. I also have a high risk tolerance and I have, you know, I'm not a trust funder, but I had a social safety net with my family yeah. that like, if I failed radically, I wouldn't be homeless. So yeah, like, of course, you have to take account of those things. Yeah, definitely. That's really good advice, Dion. And, um, you know, the final question really that I have today to ask you is, you know, like say I bump into you three or four years time, you know, I'm hoping I bump into you beforehand. I'm hoping to get to New York at some point post COVID. <laughs> Trip. <laughs> exactly exactly right yeah you'll see there's got to be some waves somewhere i'll see you down on the beach so i can tell you got to wear two wetsuits it's that cold up there um you know if i bump into you three or four years time uh where you know like, like where do you want the business to be in say three or four years time um well yeah i would like to have you know lots of people buying hopefully there's another book by then and uh people are consuming really actually a lot more of the of my intellectual content and i'm surf going on more surf trips uh i think with some advanced clients and having trained some other people to coach in my method like have a really good instructor training program i'd I'd love to uh get paid to coach people how to coach yeah i think that's uh that's where i'd like to be i'd like to own a house by then (laughs) that might be be 10 years yeah tell me about it yeah i think all over the world in like top spots prices are going up so who knows you can get into that right well final question the real final question is you know where where do you want to point people towards you know what's your website social anywhere you want to send people to dion who's interested in learning more about what you do yeah so uh have to spell it i mean i made this really difficult name so that people have to actually, the name itself makes you get into it. So it, everything, all my social media is Kanata Surf Club. So it's C-O-N-A-T-U-S-S-U-R-F-C-L-U-B. So KanataSurfClub.com, Kanata Surf, at Kanata Surf Club on Instagram. And uh, I guess you would just, I, I'm confused about YouTube. Uh, it, I have a YouTube channel, but the the URL does not say whatever slash Kanata Surf Club, but yeah. it's findable through my website. I have a YouTube. Uh, and then I have also for now, until I'm fully set up on Subkit, I have a Patreon that's Patreon slash Kanata Surf Club. And I'm giving, uh, yeah, the people signing up 
for that are getting stuff that I'm sending more content to them, honestly, right now than anybody else. So if you're not seeing a lot of newsletters, it's because the people on Patreon are getting it because uh, I appreciate that support. Of course, uh, of course. Well, yeah. don't worry, it won't be long until a uh, you know people over the world are learning about you on Subkick Dion as well, and uh, you know, and, and we could hopefully make that house a reality in less than ten years for you anyway. So, uh, right. Well, to us, final thing I've just got to say is thank you, Dion. Uh, you know, it's been amazing to have you obviously on the Go Solo show today. Thanks for taking the time to join us this morning, and uh, good luck for the future as well. Thanks very much. All right, Johnny. Serve soon. Thanks a lot. I will do. Thanks, Dion. All Cheers. Right. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit. We hope you've had a great time and picked up many new ideas for your own business. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at team underscore go solo. If you're inspired to get started on your own enterprise yourself, then check us out at subkit.com. We're here for whenever you're ready. I've been Johnny Quirk, and until next time, keep winning.